ready to do some farming? Yeah, I, I, whatever. Are we gonna get Starbucks or? If I'm gonna take this job, I'm gonna need about 80K per year salary plus benefits, three to four weeks vacation time, plus like I have a TV show that I watch at like 4 p.m. on Tuesdays, so I'm gonna have to leave early on Tuesdays. This is a $14 an hour job. You're literally doing I don't I don't know if this is gonna work out then my like doctor said I, I really need to be somewhere where I have access to safe spaces This would be a great mat to do some yoga on. Hey, can you hand me the 15 millimeter? What is taking you so long this is taking you forever I'm getting bored is this a gas vehicle? No don't you know that polar bears are dying? Didn't you get here in a gas vehicle? Yeah, but it, like my mom dropped me off and so like technically it was a carpool. That's way better for the environment. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. This is where Paul Newman might break some legs. The corn! The corn. Oh, Simpsons jokes. The farmers at Torrey Pines and the PGA Tour finally delivers what is likely to be a competitive, intense, and just a tournament that's going to be a ton of fun. The Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines is set to deliver just that. Welcome to the cut line and the continuation of the West Coast Swing. And as fun as two courses were last week, the golfers now get the opportunity to stroke it out on two courses again. Twins, Basil. Twins. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, Australia. Hello, UK, Spain, Germany, Switzerland. Lots of love to both the East and West Coast of the United States. Ah, uh, but who am I forgetting? Oh, Indiana. <laughs> Man. You are one pathetic loser. <laughs> no offense. Enough said right there. Welcome to the cut line as we always want to give the listener a special thank you for being with us. We know that you have precious, precious time and we thank you so much for spending it with the cut line. Why do we thank you? Because we deliver the best plays, the best fades, and, and one hell of a short game. Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter had some pinpoint calls last week, but nothing was sweeter than making sure that I was touting a few of those top 10 guys and a winner. So that leads us to the good and the bad, the ugly, the good. Let's start it off. Siwoo Kim Cantley fading that chalk in the top range. Remember that guy? Remember me talking about the guy who was going to be chalk? We ended up fading Reed. Guess what? He missed the cut. And let's not forget last week's can't do it. Chalk Sep Straka. 30%, man. What were you guys thinking? What were people thinking? And of course, the key fade of Burns. Sam Bird's another huge ownership. Now, the bad. Scotty Scheffler, I'm going to own I'm, I'm gonna own up to him. I had him. I touted him. He was 30% owned too. But look, I was a little bit under than the rest of the field. Did cost some 6 of 6 lineups. More bad. Whaley. Missed the cut on the number. Okay, the Corn Ferry Tour. I said he was high risk, but I was hoping that we'd pay off after a solid first round. Uh, 
Ran into a juggernaut in that round two. Anyways, Whaley did not make the cut. Of course, and the ugly Naismith couldn't help it. Went back to the well with Naismith, and it burned, burned badly. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth analysis of the Farmer's Insurance Open. And we're going to do the best we can. <laughs> I like these guys. They're funny guys. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday. In addition, we'll be sure to bring in tiny black screenside sudden traps and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating the best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. Now it's Wednesday night. I need leverage, and I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare sport, Sports. Even with my own personal ownership projections, I know that a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports. So if you're not subscribed, there is a very easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com, input the word cut line in the discount option. You'll receive 20% off your membership. Remember, ownership is a leverage not to be belittled. Also, I'm the guy who does the ownership at Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com, so I know it's pretty damn good. Anyways, want to give a shout-out to PGA and Fantasy National. You want to build stronger lineups, better lineups. My process starts with these sources, and it gives us a huge leg up when compared to the rest of the industry. Are your lineups in the gutter? It's probably because you're not using Fantasy National, and you're ending up on the wrong end of the flagstick. How are your lineups doing? This week, the PGA Tour takes its golf to Torrey Pines for the Farmers Insurance Open. This is often the starting point for many of the PGA's elite golfers to begin accumulating FedEx points, but this year is different, okay? We're going to see an entirely different year, different structure, thanks to COVID. So, yeah, I'm hoping every tournament from here on out is just loaded. The first being the Masters which is right around the corner. Got those majors around the corner. Anyways, two and a half months away, right? That's right around the corner. The golfers will talk about the north and south course at Torrey Pines, and the cut will occur on Friday after round two, where they will only tackle the south course. Simply said, if you don't dominate the north course, you're probably not sniffing the cut come Friday. It's just that's the truth. Um... Let's break it down. Both courses designed by William F. Bell opened in 1957 on the cliffside location. The south course was redesigned by Reese Jones in 2001. It's 7,700 yards, par 72. And the north course redesigned by Time Weisskopf in 2016. 250 yard, par 72. 7,250 yard, par 72. Each course is used for the first two rounds. The south course for the final 36. The north course is 450 yards shorter than the south, and it's way, way easier. Two strokes, actually, on average. The greens, big, fast, poa. The north, bigger, faster, bent grass from 2016. So, the south, poa, the north, Bermuda. Or, I'm sorry, bent grass. Now, Experience play helps, but it's not super significant here. Long driving is an advantage, but when the wind howls, the south course plays to any type of player. So don't ignore those shorties if this weather plays suit. Along with narrow fairways and tough bunkers, the south course's key defense is that wind. So it's just, it's a good test of all around golf. Weather-wise, looking at the forecast, we'll see that Friday is a bit windier than Thursday, so you might, might want to look at the Thursday Wave players on the south course, 
But of course, you can go Oppie, get Contrarian, play him on the on the south course on Friday, whatever you want. But we are looking at a windy Friday, way windier than Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday at this point. Key stats that I'm going to play this year, this week. Strokes gain approach, ball striking, tee to green, off the tee, good drives gained. Looking for the three-putt avoidance as well and scrambling. I'm really tailoring the model towards the south course. I know the north course has a lot of advantage to dominating it and getting through the cut, but I want my guys to make the cut and be able to dominate the south. The south. But the key is, who are we going to play this weekend? These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where I break down the top tier 11K range all the way down to the 7K range. And man, do we have a doozy at the top this weekend. Who do you play? What you gonna run with? How you gonna run it back? Again, I think this is another week where ownership is pivotal in who you are going to play. Okay, first of all, let's let's cut to the chase. This top tier range with John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Finau, Xander, and Patrick Reed. I think they are all viable candidates. My favorite play right now is running it back to Reed. I know last week I said let's not play him. I hate him. Everything like that in terms of ownership pivoting. But the fact is he burned so many people last weekend. Burned them in cash games. Burning them in GPPs. It's human nature to have that bitter taste in your mouth and say no thank you. I don't want it again. We saw how good Patrick Reed was playing before the break. And even coming back at the tournament championship, champions, you know, he finished middle of the pack at 21st. But so what? You look at his course history here, 6th, 13th, 23rd, and he withdrew in 2016, did not play in 2017. Patrick Reed here being probably the lowest owned of this top tier, um, maybe second lowest owned, fits this course, fits as number eight in my confidence model, confidence, 10 in my aggregate model, and eighth in my overall stat model. So I love it. But the thing is, I love his approach play. I love his scoring ability. He's going to put the driver away. So we're good there. He'll be hitting fairways and he hits them long anyway. And of course, Reed is just excellent around the green and a putter. It's an all around course. And that's what Patrick Reed's game is all about. Now, similarly, we're going to go to Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley at 10,400 is another one of my favorite plays. Might end up being a core play for me this weekend. It really depends on how ownership shakes out. I think by the end of Wednesday night, a lot of people are going to be moving and leveraging towards Xander just because he frees up so much of that salary cap room on DraftKings. It's incredible, Um, especially being 10,400. First of all, my scoring model, he ranks number six overall. And this week we are valuing a little bit more recent form than we are like historical form. But even if you look at the last 50 rounds, he ranks eighth in the field in scoring. So I'm most definitely going to take him here. Um, He's an excellent putter. In my overall stat model, he's number four. But what I like is my aggregate model. He ranks number two behind John Rahm. Now, Xander right now, looking at my early ownership indications, is still single-digit ownership. That's going to boost. That's going to get higher. It's going to get to like 11, 12, 13, 14%. Everyone's going to be talking about him because I'm sure all their initial like looks are saying, man, Xander's going to go under own. Now, here's the caveat. It's a huge caveat, by the way. Missed cut in 2020. Miscut in 2018, miscut in 2017, miscut in 2016, but he did finish with a 25th place finish in 2019. Okay, 
So there is high risk involved here. Don't get me wrong. It's high risk play. He does not like this course here at Torrey Pines. Hopefully, hopefully, you can leverage the field with only a few plays. But you look at his recent form, TOC finished 5th, Masters finished 17th. He obviously has some good things going right now with his swing. Going to be playing at the U.S. Open, so that's why he's playing here this weekend. Got to get ready for Torrey Pines. If he bombs it, though, and is terrible, you know, obviously we know it can fade him down the road. All right, so looking at the other three, people are going to fade Finau because of the narrative, can't win, can't win, can't win. Look, his ownerships is going to boom. We know as a DraftKings player, he can score points, and that's what we're looking for. I will take the opportunity to get a win here. He fits this course. Put a Sunday together, man. You put good Sundays together. I love that. Put a great freaking Sunday together. That's what you need, and that's why you don't win. Look, recent form, fourth at the Amex, 31st at TOC, eighth at the OHL. And, of course, the Masters, he, he just didn't have his best game there. But you look at his course history here, three top tens in the last five years. 2020, sixth. 2018, sixth. 2017, fourth. Put a freaking Sunday together. Put it together. All right. And, of course, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm. We, I, I would love to get into detail about two of the best golfers in the world, if not the two best golfers in the world. But, look, uh, who am I going to take between those two? I will take John Rahm over Rory McIlroy, but I do not think McIlroy is a bad play at 1100. He was in the hunt last weekend on Abu Dhabi. Um, again, just couldn't put his Sunday together, which has kind of been the story of the last two years or so. Can't put a Sunday together and just can't end up winning. Can't end up winning a lot of tournaments. In terms of leveraging. Um, there really is nothing up here in this 10k range unless you start looking at Xander and Patrick Reed. Um, other than that, you know, Finau, Rory, and Rom are going to be course horses. They're going to be ownership. And, you know, they just, they're good opportunities to make the cut. Obviously, good cash plays as well. Um, so, John Rom, number one everywhere in my model. So, he's obviously going to be a very popular play, probably the highlighted top play this week. But, um, you know, that's that's the 11K range. Let's go down to the 9K range. And there are three guys here that I specifically like. And the first one is Harris English. Second is Sung Im. And the third is uh, Deki. Now, we saw Deki. I like starting from the bottom today. We saw Deki at the Sony. He had 19th. Had an incredible round to make the cut. Just looked really good in the form. Problem is, because of that, he's going to be highly owned. And we're looking at 16 17 18% ownership. I don't think you need to leverage Decky here. I think he's a solid play for the course. He fits this course very well. And my confidence model ranks number five. I love the approach play here with Decky. And he ranks number two. Now, where Decky becomes volatile, obviously, is with the short stick. Um, what putter are you going to get from my Decky Matsuyama? I don't know. And it's obviously the biggest flaw in his game, but that what's it's what makes him an excellent GPP candidate, right? If that putter gets hot, someone like when we look at like Grillo, like we play Grillo for the same reason. We like those small greens. We hope that putter gets hot like it did last weekend. We played him. But the fact is with Matsuyama, we have that same issue. We want those wicked hot putter to help a top five finish. You look at his course history here. Mixed results, 45th, 3rd, 12th, 33rd, and a missed cut. So there is some risk here with Deki. Um, I do like the fact that he played at the Sony. I love how well he played at the Sony. Different style of course, obviously, but still, um, this is his uh, first time in, in California this year. So we'll see how Deki does. Next is Harris English, and I think he's really going overlooked because of his price point. Would he be arguably overpriced? Yeah. But the guy is 16th overall in the official world golf rankings. Probably doesn't necessarily fit this course the best. Like if you compare him to Sanjay and Deki, 
I think of those three, he's going to be the worst. But the fact is that Harris English has been putting on a show in 2020, and hopefully he continues to put on a show in 2021. Now, here's the thing I love. Harris English ranks number one in my overall stat model, and that is tailored for this tournament, for this course. We're looking at the last 50, 36, 24, and 12 rounds. Everything is weighted. There are stats built into that that I'm not going to tell you. That's the secret sauce. But look, Harris English, number one. Number one. Not the best score historically, right, in terms of like recent form. Last 24 rounds, ranks 83rd in the field, 12 rounds, 65th. But historically, in the last 50 rounds, he ranks top top 30. So I'm going to look for that Harris English to come back. And I think it's because of his recent form that we're going to see that suppressed ownership. But the fact is, in terms of scoring, look, 32nd at the Sony, he won the Tournament of Champions, 5th at the OHL, 6th at the RSM. The guy's been on fire. So I'm not sure as to why people don't want to buy into Harris English. Probably that $9,800 price. But still, I'm going to take shots at Harris English. Next play is Sung J.M. Sung J.M. has a good, decent chance to make the cut. He's been playing lights out recently. Again, I'm looking at sub 10% ownership here. Again, people are probably upset that he's not winning. 12th last weekend, 56th at the Sony, 5th at the Tournament of Champions, finished 2nd at the Masters Tournament. We've seen great things from him so far since that November finish, other than the miscut at the RSM, which is bound to happen coming after the Masters Tournament. You're stressed, you're tired, played some of the hardest golf you ever played, the stress. Boom, take Sung Jae this weekend. In terms of history here at this course, 2020 ranked 36th, 2019 52nd. So we don't have any top 10s. Top 20s or top 25s or top 30s. But look, again, he just fits this course. My confidence model ranks number 15. I'm sorry, 14. Aggregate model, top 20. I like Sungjae. Okay, I like Sungjae. And Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric on Fanshare Sports, he ranks number two. So Sungjae's in play this weekend. The other two guys, I'm not going to really talk to them. I'm not going to say don't play them, but I, I don't really have a lot of extra, uh, interest in them. Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland. Kepka is just, uh, he's an enigma. He's only a GPP play right now. His one time here missed the cut. Same with Hovland, missed the cut in 2019. You know, Kepka missed the cut last weekend at the Amex. Hovland hasn't played since the TOC. He did win the OHL. Let's not forget that. So his form looks pretty good, and that's probably going to boost a lot of ownership. Um, the thing with Hovland and Kepka that you get long-term is that scoring. So I see some like reasons to play, play them. Now, if ownership is going to suppress in these single digits, like I have for Kepka, like I have for Hovland, you, and your MME, you got to play them. You got to throw them in some lineups just to get the leverage to the field. These are great golfers. Kepka, multi-major winner, Hovland, one of the young guys on tour. I'm not going to say don't play them because I'm, if I MME this weekend, which could potentially be the plan they're going to end up in my lineups going down to the 8k range this is where i like a few guys um don't like siwoo i'm not going to come back to siwoo i if he had not won last weekend maybe but um first win in a long time for siwoo so he's going to be stressed and tired and everything else that comes with winning a golf tournament so it's one of those instances where i'm going to fade a golfer who normally is not elite Normally is not elite, but I do like Bubba Watson, Mark Leishman, Jason Day, Ryan Palmer, and Adam Scott. Now, specifically with Adam Scott, and I got in I got in a conversation uh, this week about Adam Scott and the long putter, and I'm going to keep 
my ear to the rail on this. I need to know what putter Adam Scott is using because if he is using the long stick this weekend, then I'm all over him. I love him in this position. And the fact is, like, he doesn't necessarily fit this course the best out of all the guys that I mentioned in this group, but still... 10th in my confidence model, 4th in my aggregate model, 6th in my overall stat model. We know he can score. We know he does it on approach. And we know he's decent off the tee. And his one place here in 2019 finished in 2nd in the last 5 years. And of course, recent form, 41st and 21st at the TOC. The thing I love about Scott here specifically on this putting surface, he actually puts top 20 in this field. So I really do like Adam Scott in this position. Um comparably Bubba Watson and, and and Jason Day. A lot of people are going to not play Jason Day because of the new club gimmick, okay, and the new swing gimmick. Here, let's put something together here with Jason Day. Jason Day was playing great golf prior to the break. Great golf. He did not all of a sudden play great golf and say, oh, man, let's stop playing great golf and redo my swing no this has been a work in progress don't fall for that narrative don't fall for the fact that like just because the article came out he's going to be fatable because of the fact that he has a new swing look in july seventh at the workday fourth in the memorial in august sixth at the saint jude fourth at the pga had a miscut at the northern trust but again this is the playoffs 38th at the open Miscut at the Shriners, 60th at the Zozo, 7th at the Houston Open, missed the cut at the Masters, but now 12th at the RSM. Yes, you're going to get variable results here with Jason Day. Yes, he is using new clubs. Yes, he has a new swing he's working on. But look, he's doing the smart thing that I love. He's not sponsored by any club manufacturer. He's getting the clubs that help tailor his game to be better at golf. I love Jason Day in this spot. I think it's a coin flip right now between him and Adam Scott, to be perfectly fair. Um, but I think they're both solid plays for DFS purposes. Adam Scott's $300 cheaper. Of course, more money available is going to lend itself to ownership. Jason Day probably coming in at 5 6% less ownership than Adam Scott. And Adam Scott having the recent form and recent play, being that Adam Scott played at the Sony just two weeks ago, and we haven't seen Jason Day since the RSM. It's it it, it kind of points to let's lean towards Adam Scott for DFS purposes and ownership's gonna reflect that. One of the gamble plays in this 8K range would be Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer does not necessarily fit this course like historically. If you look at Ryan Palmer as a golfer, it's like okay, we we're not gonna play you here. Um, we just don't like the way your game sets up. You're terrible at putting on the surface. You're terrible off the tee, and you're an awful approach player. Ironically enough for the Torrey Pines South specifically is what we're looking at. And at the Farmers, 21st, 13th, 2nd, last three years. Recent form, 41st at the 2nd uh, at the Sony, 4th at the TOC. All right. He doesn't fit this course, but the projection says he does. I got him projected for like 7th highest total at like 73 points. In terms of his course projection, this Torrey Pines South specifically, 5th overall at 91. And the tournament style, top 20. So Ryan Palmer is going to be highly owned. I think it's dangerous, but I think it's good dangerous. And I think as people start building lineups, even though his ownership is high now, looking at double digit, I think that number is going to go down because people are going to hear, hopefully, kind of the sentiment that I'm saying about Ryan Palmer. Look, his game doesn't fit here. I don't want Ryan Palmer. I'm not going to play him and take a risk on him when I can take someone like Jason Day, Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, Leishman, Siwoo Kim. 
or even pay up to Decky or go down in the 7K range, which we'll touch upon here in a second. The point being, I think Ryan Palmer is a risky GPP play, not a cash play by any means, but still. All right, last two guys, Bubba Watson. Bubba was lighting it up here at the after the COVID break. Still hasn't played since the Masters, so there's risk there. But, of course, he's here because of the major championship. Um, wants to study Torrey Pine South. Got a sixth-place finish here last year. Is excellent off the tee. Excellent in approach. An incredible score. Always risky with the putter. Ranks 12th in my aggregate model. 12th in my confidence model. Fits this course perfectly. In terms of Vegas odds, he's number 14. Okay, he's not number 14 in pricing. Just making, I'm pretty sure about that. But the fact is, is that Bubba Watson, just like any golfer, I think in this 8K range is where you're going to get some risk because you're looking at a golfer who hasn't played in a while. Is he going to be rusty? Is he going to start on the north course? Where is he starting? If he's starting in the south course, do you want to start Bubba Watson, Jason Day, when those tee times come out and say, "Uh uh-oh, you're going to play one of the most difficult courses on tour and hope that you're good, you're good to go? Truth is, if he starts on the north course, I like him a lot more. Um, So... Continuing on with this 8K range, Mark Leishman, 8,700. We're looking at Leishman for about 10% ownership. Overall stat model does not fit very well. But, again, <clears throat> we're looking at a guy who could potentially be a GPP play. He's had good recent form with a 4th and 24th finish. And you look at his recent form here at the Farmers, 1st, 43rd, 8th, 20th, and missed cut. So, he does like this tournament style, playing the north course and then playing the south course and then going for two days at the south course. 8,700, I think he's a little bit lower owned just because of his course history. And so um, it's interesting. When you go to the player pool builder, and I usually shoot this out on Twitter, but I'll let you guys know now. Ranks go from Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, Jason Day, Zalatoris, Usti, Leishman, Palmer, Siwoo Kim, and Cam Smith ranks number 11 here in this range so the 7k range again brings about some interesting plays in this tournament and i think this might be kind of like the mo of the year for DraftKings. like they are curiously pricing this 7k range um and it's interesting to say the least right uh there are a lot of plays there are a lot of plays that i think are viable there are a lot of options here where there are great players. You could go back to players that we faded last week. You could play guys that we haven't seen for a little bit because they just look so good historically here on this tournament. And it's almost like you got to get it right. Like there's a little bit of luck here involved or a little bit more depth and research or maybe just listen to us here at the cut line. So the 7K range. First of all, I don't like the 7,400 range down to about the 7K range. The, the, there's just not, no one really in there that does it for me. Unfortunately, you're going to have to play some of those guys if you're like you're going stars and scrubs. So I'm not going to go into high depth here in terms of guys I like, but Doc Redman would fit, fit the bill. Joel Dahman would fit the bill. Dylan Fratelli would fit the bill. Um, these are guys that we could see have success here. But um, Even going to Phil... Not my favorite play. I don't like playing, you know, 50-some-year-old Phil Mickelson here. But still, another guy who's had success. Dylan Fratelli finished 73rd, missed cut. You could look at course history for Maverick McNeely. But then again, you know, you're hoping for a hot putter. I'm not on board with that. I think Mackenzie Hughes and Joel Dahman might be your best plays here in this, like, sub-7K, like, 7,500 range. 
if you look at it on my uh, player pool builder, which is a new tool that I developed, this does not reference course history, by the way. It's just stat driven. Um, looking at the 7K range all the way to 7,500, these guys specifically, and how they rank out stats wise Charlie Hoffman, Doc Redman, Russell Knox, HV3, and EVR. Um, and then you got Cam, Ortiz, Lanto, all tied for the next spot. Um, so, again, these are names we like playing on tournaments. It's just deciphering who you want to play. Like EVR, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily fit this course that well. And you look at him historically, he's never played here. 56 last weekend, missed cut, so he's not in the best form. But, of course, he would be a GPP play if you want to throw him in there. We know he can score. We know historically he is one of the best scorers in this field as he ranks number 24th in the last 50 rounds. You look at someone like Mackenzie Hughes. All right, Mackenzie Hughes, long-term, ranks 22nd. We know he could score, but he's terrible off the tee. Hence, you look at his results. Miscut, 29th, 154th. 19th at the Sony, though. So, recent form says, hey, maybe we should play you. So, this is kind of like, where do you want to go? Who do you want to take your risk on? And and I, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going back to Sepp Straka. That's for sure. I didn't play him last weekend. I'm not pulling the, oh, everyone will be off him this weekend. Sepp Straka is not on my radar this weekend. So is a scorer, though. But just that putter is too volatile for me. Um, if I go down in the 7K range, though, Snedeker and Knox do have some interest for me. Um, first with Knox. Big caveat with him is that he's not necessarily a scorer. He's not historically a scorer, more of a grinding type. But the fact is he's got a 21st, 43rd, and 29th. I'll take a 21st for a 7K player here. Um, Sneds, if the wind's howling on Friday, you know, gets a short course, has some great course history here. Third place last year, first place in 2016. Three straight missed cuts is concerning. So his form is terrible, but this might be something that cures his ills. We are going to look at sub 6%, sub 5% ownership. Now, you are going to look at... 10% owned John Huh. Huh. Do you really want to go 7K John Huh at 10%? I don't normally eat chalk. That's 7K. I'm just not my mile. Anyways, go back to that top tier of the 7K range. The guys I do like. Gary Woodland, sleeper. Hands down sleeper. Way too cheap. Going to play him. I love him here on this course. He ranks 31st in my projection model. 19th at the course projection. 26th for similar tournament projection. 18th in my confidence model. 14th in my aggregate model. And he ranks 38th in my overall stat model. But what I love about Gary Woodland, the ability to score. Does, can put the driver away, has one missed cut in the last five turn chances here with an average finishing position of 15th place. Five tournaments, average finishing position of 15th place. And he's not even popular enough. I think he should be more chalky, but he's just not getting the love. Next guy, Corey Connors. Um, looks good. 12th in my overall stat model. 55th in my scoring model, which is kind of concerning. But again, look at the course history here. One time, 2018, finished 29th. Recent form, 17th at the OHL, 10th at the RSM, 10th at the Masters. So we don't have any recent recent form tournament champions starting after the new year in January. Hasn't played in a long time, so that's concerning. You look at him, you look at Jason Day up in the 8K range. You know That's concerning, not seeing guys who haven't played in a very long time. And he fits that mold. Do you want to take risk on Corey Connors? Sure, why not? He's a good player. 58th in the official world golf rankings. But I would rather go down to Jason Kokrak at 7,700. Now, why would I rather go down to Cokes? Well, first of all, Cokes played in Sony, 56th. Played in the TOC, 35th. Didn't play very well. 
hands down. But look, look at the course history, 21st, 20th, 25th. You go head to head between Corey Connors and Jason Kokrak in this tournament, I'm going to take Cokes. And I'll take that because you save salary, you save ownership, right? Kokrak's coming in at single-digit ownership, while Corey Connors, in the name alone, is going in at uh, plus ownership. Connors is, is, is just is projecting better here you know, in my overall projections, but at this course, Kokrak's the better player. He ranks 49th, while while Connors ranks, oh, my bad. Connors ranks 36. I got that wrong. But still, I think Kokrak's a good pivot here, especially with single-digit ownership. The guy in the official world golf rankings ranks 31st. How can we not go back to Grillo? Look, played awesome last weekend. Almost put it together. Blew up on Sunday like he always does, but so what? 18th, 8th, 47th, 37th. Come back to me. Keep these cuts a rolling, man. Four of four in his last four tournaments. Average finishing position here of 32nd. Two missed cuts. He's a volatile GPP play. GPP play. Do not throw him in your cash lineups. In my overall stat model, Grillo, 21st. Of course, last option here, last, last three options here would be Gooch, Howell, and Hoffman. Not going to go in too much depth, but I like Hoffman here with the back injury. Um, hopefully he plays. It's high risk, but then again, you're going to leverage the ownership. Going to get single-digit ownership for a guy who made the cut last week and looked pretty good until um, he had to withdraw with that back injury. Has a top-10 finisher last year with only one missed cut. Average finishing position of 35th. Gooch, average finishing position of 30th with a top-5 finish in 2019. Of course, CH3. Chucky three sticks. Dominates this course. Dominates this tournament. Top 20s all around, did not play here last year. And CH3, single-digit ownership right now, man. Single-digit ownership for a guy who has that type of course history, I'll take it. I'll take it. Doesn't pop in my model, but man, just loves this tournament. So that'll do it for the 7K range. That'll do it for the birdie or better. But who am I not going to play? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. 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 Hell no! Can't do it. Double digit ownership. Guys who are going to be highly owned that I can't play the cut line signature segment, everyone's favorite intro. Can't do it. Won't do it. The plays I'm going to fade in this weekend's tournament. There are four. Can't do it. And we'll throw in a bonus fifth who's not double digit ownership, but I'm not going to play him anyway. So. First, Cameron Davis, looking right now initially at 16 to 18% ownership, does not necessarily fit this course, but historically, projection-wise on the course style, does rank 25th. Now, we're looking at a putter that's completely volatile. It's $7,900. No thank you. I'll pivot elsewhere. Course history-wise, 36, 57, 58. So you do have three straight missed cuts, and we are looking at the AMX. He got third, Sony 31st, so he does look like he's in great form. But here's the thing. And my overall stat model for this course ranks 73rd. Aggregate model, 57th. Confidence rank, 49th. He might make the cut. That's fine. But at almost 8K, if you're finishing in 57th, 58th, 36th, 40th, no thank you. Can't do it. Can't do Cam Davis. Next guy, Matthew Wolf. I had Wolf last weekend, and he burned me. He really did. He didn't come, like, his play did not come to any type of fruition at all. He was terrible, he was mundane, and he actually played pretty poorly around the green, pretty poorly around with the putter. Um, 
It was just a blah weekend for Matthew Wolf. I think that continues. I think just that's his form right now. He does have some decent course history last year, finishing 21st. I get that. He is a great scorer, 31st. He is a great putter. There's just things about him that I don't like right now in terms of Matthew Wolf's game. All right? So you look at Wolf specifically, and you just look at, at, at the last five rounds. He's lost in strokes gain total. He's lost off the tee. He's lost around the green. Strokes on all these categories. Gained in approach. Gained in putting. We know you need to scramble here. Last weekend looked terrible off the tee. Looked terrible around the green. And looked terrible with the short stick. Coming into Torrey Pine South, I don't want to see that garbage. I don't want to see that at all. In fact, around the green, he's been brutal at the Zozo. I understand it was in October. Lost four strokes. At the CJ Cup in October, lost seven strokes. Finished 73rd. I'm not going to play pay $9,100 for Matthew Wolf when his game is just not there right now. I want to see some comeback. I want to see some form. Give me a top 25 finish, and I'll be back on you this weekend. I get it. But for $9,100, I don't think it's worth it. Next play, and I really think a lot of people are going to do this. And I'm, by the way, this is a coin flip right now. I'm not going to hold to this potentially on Wednesday night, depending on ownership. Right now, he's 10% owned. So right on the cusp of our can't-do-it rules. But that's Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler does this, man. Fits a tournament. Looks great. Everyone plays him. And he sucks. And he absolutely sucks. After that, bounce back spot. Course history where he missed a cut. Right? But Scheffler's just too good of a player. Too good of a player here to not consider. Now, right now, if double-digit ownership persists... And all the touts are saying, hey, we're going back to Scotty Scheffler. He's too good. And we're looking at 16, 17, 18% ownership. Fine. I get it. it it's a can't do it for me. I'm, I'm not going to look at that recent form, especially at the recent approach play at the Tournament of Champions and the American Express. His game's a little bit off now. We even saw it at the Houston. The irons are off. Okay. I know the iron that, that was in November. It was a long way ago, but something's wrong with that swing right now. Maybe an injury. Who knows? I, I, I can't tell you what's wrong with Scheffler. But the fact is, he doesn't look good with the approach game. And you need that approach game here to score, and you need it to play well. The only way I go to Scheffler is if that ownership creeps down on the single digits. Then it's a leverage play. Then it's most definitely a leverage play. Last but not least, double-digit owned, Billy Horschel. Getting a lot of love, and for good reason, right? He's He's been saving lineups. He's, he's flying under the radar recently in terms of tournament ownership. He... In Vegas wise, ranks number 17 at $8,200. Here's the thing at the Sony, he lost on approach. At the TOC, lost on approach and around the green. He might be putting his, 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 his game together, but because of that, that seventh place finish at the Sony, I don't know if I can buy into that high ownership Billy Horschel at $8,200. Projection-wise, he looks good. This course style, top 35. But again, you got to make decisions somewhere. Overall stat model ranks 26th. If that ownership does creep down to below double-digit, I will go to Horschel. But again, if we're looking at double-digit ownership, no. I'm not going to look at 17, 80%, 8,200, Billy Horschel. I'll pivot elsewhere in the 8,000 range. Last but not least, Ricky Fowler. He's got a co-loan. I know it's not a part of the can't-do-it segment, but finished 21st last weekend. Oh, I need more proof. I just need more proof from Ricky. I do. I, I I need more proof from Ricky Fowler before I say, okay, you're my guy again. I'm going to play you. So that's the can't do it segment. 
Let's go to the MG. 6K range. Break it down. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we give you our 6K plays that are going to smash. Top 30, top 25 or better, our MGs and Guarantees. One of our original segments here on the show. I love this segment. We do it in honor of my co-host, Zach Manford, who's not here right now, but still, we're going to go straight to the player pool builder here, and I'm going to tell you guys who are going stars and scrubs. Last weekend, in one of my Discord chats, I was asked, who would you play below $6,400? And the truth of the matter was, the only play for me last weekend was Whaley, and that was just on a whim, play him in a lineup here or there. But the truth is that when you look at my player pool builder metric ranking, there is no player in the top 10 below 6,500. There is no player in the top 20 below 6,500. If you're going down 6,400 or below, you're hunting. You are hunting down in that range, okay? And you're praying. I don't mind taking risk in GPPs, don't get me wrong. But I don't plan on playing stupid either. I just don't. Looking at the top 10 rankings, though, in this 6K range, you got Streelman, Norlander, List, Hoagie, Rogers, Stanley, Percy, Naismith, my favorite, Johnny Vegas. Oh, hate it when he's up there. And then Harry Higgs, okay? So these are your top 10 in the 6K range. Now, where do we go in this 6K range? Who are we going to play? Who are the MGs and monsters? And that's, it, it's pretty simple. I'm going to look at those metrics and play those guys. I'm looking at Norlander. I'm looking at Streamland. I'm looking at Hoagie. I'm looking at Luke List. And I'm looking at Patrick Rogers. I think all four of these guys fit this course. Now, Streelman, of course, in terms of like my projection here for this weekend, 47th, Hoagie, 38th, Rogers, 60th, Luke List. Does not have necessarily the course projection here, but does have the course history projection with the top 45. So that's what we're looking for in, in specifically here. They all fit very well in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, which I love using down here in this 6K range. And of course, they all fit in the confidence model, top 40, which I love for the 6K guys. For my overall stat model though, Kevin Streelman, 33rd. Hoagie, 35th. List, 43rd. But Patrick Rogers comes in at a sneaky 18. The guy can score. Okay. Long term, 34th in the field in the last 50 rounds. Recent form, not so good. Top 50, top 60. What you're worried about here, though, with all these players is the volatility. Patrick Rogers, 9th, miscut, miscut, 4th, miscut. Streelman, 45th, miscut, 29th, 67th, 3rd. Consider that 67th basically a miscut. Hoagie, 5th, uh, miscut, 12th, miscut, Luke List, 36th, 40th, 12th, miscut, miscut. So there's tons of volatility in this range, right? There's no necessarily like spot-on course history play in the 6K range. And guess what? If there was, they'd cost more money. They would cost more money. If we were to elect one player to be kind of like that 6K course horse type of guy, 
I would think that people are going to say, ooh, Rob Streb, right? Four out of five main cuts, average finishing position at 31st, made the cut at the Sony, made the cut at the TOC. Again, I'm not dropping below that that $6,500 range. So my MGs are, are Norlander, Streelman, Hoagie, List, and Rogers. Other guys I want to touch upon, not MGs though, Johnny Vegas, for whatever reason, I always get suckered in. 18th, 28th, miscut, miscut, 30th. Right, you always get that top upside here with Johnny Vegas. He just needs to putt, which is often an issue for the guy. Um, in terms of projection, ranks 49th. Course projection, though, brutal. So take that in consideration if you are thinking like Johnny Vegas because his name's so badass and you're going to play him. Um, other options here down in the 6K range, I would say Tyler McCumber. You know, at 6,400. Decent showing here one time at 21st. Again, take that with a grain of salt. People might buy into that. You don't really have a chalk 6K range. You don't really have a chalk 6K guy. So that's that's kind of nice. But it also kind of signifies like who are you going to fade um, and stuff like that. Duffner is always fun to go back to. Fits this course. Does well here if you're going to go below that $6,500 range. Um, I would totally go back to Cam Percy, even though he missed the cut last week. 36 last year, 71st in 2017, missed the cut in 2016. Um, so in terms of the approach rank, you know, Cam ranks 34th in the field in the last 50 rounds. The key consideration, though, is the scoring model. So um, so let's go bargain hunting. Lowest I'll go is 6,200, and that would be Scott Brown. Scott Brown ranks top 60 in approach, top 50 in scoring, top 50 in putting. You look at his course history here, miscut, top 10 with a ninth place finish. Didn't play 41st, 49th. So we do have that top 10 pedigree here. That's the lowest I'm going to go. Okay, I, I am not fishing below that. Well, that's it, man. Those are your MGs and the monsters and guarantees. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. So that's a wrap. It's over. The cut line is all over. This is the breakdown of the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Join us next week as we take a gander at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, where apparently the party will still be going on as we will have spectators, fans, people actually watching golf on the course. Not the big party it usually is, but just a small, tiny little get-together. Should be fun. Wish I could go. Wish I could go. want to say a special thanks to Fanshare Sports and the Fantasy National, but most importantly, the thank you goes to you, the listener. Appreciate the time that you have given this show. One hell of a show, might I add. Sunday fun day. All you're going to have is golf. No football. Super Bowl is the following weekend, so why not go big? Go big or go home. Sunday's yours. Go and get it.